and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer at the Herald. What's up, Anthony? Uh, things are things are interesting right now yep. in the Heat world. Things are interesting, but things are good. How are you, David? Doing pretty well. Uh, we are also joined once again this week after uh, a few week hiatus. Uh, he's back in the bubble. It is Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press. What's going on, Tim? I was holding out for a new contract with you guys, and I got it. And I have to say that uh, um, it's still zero dollars. Um, what's going on in quarantine? Uh, just living the life, man. I um, I brought my 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 one difference for quarantine 2.0 instead of the first time around. I brought a like a golf chipping net. Oh with yeah, me. but. Like an idiot, I forgot my golf clubs in my car, and I can't go get them because, hello, I'm in quarantine. But my wife, for my birthday, this true story, my wife bought me, like, these toy um, soft rubber baseballs. So I have been throwing batting practice, basically, into the pitch, into the chipping net. Um, when it was I like, wasn't that what the Marlins pitchers were doing when they were in quarantine? Yeah, weren't they, like, flipping exactly the mattresses the up? Yeah. Doing. Except... They could probably hit the net, and I, um, I rarely hit the net. I'm, I'm not really accurate. You've also gotten to watch a, a lot of basketball, um, and probably oh, that yeah. is better than the first time you were there, stuck uh, waiting for those games to start. Uh, let's dive right in. Uh, I get, we'll start with game two specifically, because that was uh, really the whole night was one of the strangest nights of NBA playoff basketball I can remember. Um, obviously it starts with that heat game where the heat blow a nine point lead in the last two minutes. Um, controversial foul call lets Chris Middleton tie up the game with three free throws. And then a, uh, equally or almost as controversial call lets Jimmy Butler walk off with two free throws, uh, on the other end at the buzzer. Um, then the second game was pretty much just as weird, uh, with the Rockets winning that after one of the ugliest, like last two minutes I can remember. Um, the story for the Heat last night, though, as weird as it was, wound up being Jimmy Butler again, I feel like, because, you know, so much of the game was kind of about the depth, um, you know, seven guys in double figures, uh, Derek Jones Jr. I had a whole lead written about Derek Jones Jr. being the 10th guy off the bench and making big plays. Um, then it all got erased in the end after that wild final sequence. And Jimmy Butler, playoff Jimmy, just just wins. Yeah, and... and- you know, I think there was a question like you know, this heat, the Heat's depth has been a strength all season, but there was always this question of can that actually work in the playoffs? You know, like usually depth does, depth doesn't really win playoff yeah. games. Um, but it's, I mean, it won last night. I know Jimmy obviously made the two free throws at the end, but they won that game because of their depth. I mean, Tyler Hero, 17 points, Goron playing like an all star again. Um, you said Derek Jones Jr., 10th man coming off the bench, getting three blocks in seven minutes. Jay Crowder with another big game. Like, they literally – they have nine, ten guys who really probably could start from Milwaukee. Like, that, I really think that's the difference. Obviously, Giannis is the best player on the court, or he's supposed to be the best player on the court. But when you look at the supporting cast, it's not even it, – it's not even fair, really. Like, the Heat supporting cast is so much better. Um, and you're, you've seen it through the first two games. They just look like the better team. So, Duncan Robinson, I know, made, what do you make, three threes in game two? He banked in his only make in game one. He yeah. hasn't been Duncan Robinson yet. 
Myers Leonard is out of the rotation. Kendrick played nine minutes in game two. Three guys who were so critical all year. Mm -hmm. Three guys who started virtually every game that they were healthy for all year. It's it's amazing to think when you talk about the. I mean, yes, they played. Well, they played nine. They were gonna. It was a nine man rotation. Yeah. Yeah. It just you know then DJ became Andre. But it's crazy to think that with two starters, either not in the rotation at all or barely playing, and with Duncan cooling off to approximately now the sixth hottest shooter in the planet as opposed to the hottest shooter in the planet that he was for about six months, and I do think he's going to get going again. It, it's just it's, it, This is astounding what they are doing. Yes, Jimmy had 40 in game one. Jimmy had a superstar, superstar line for a superstar player. Seven guys in doubles last night, and the best player for them in the playoffs has been a 34-year-old Slovenian point guard on one knee. You can't make this up. You just can't make this stuff up. It, 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 to the outside world, it defies logic. But to the people that like cover this team like us or follow this team like Heat fans, it makes perfect sense because this is what they envisioned themselves being for the last 206 months of this season, mm-hmm. however long the year has gone on. This is what they said they would be in the playoffs. And through six games, they've been exactly that. Yeah, I think we ultimately even underrated the Heat's depth where, um, you know, I think to like a, a relatively casual NBA fan, you see Derek Jones check in as the 10th man and, you know, there's Heat fans are like, uh-oh, this is this could be trouble, um, him trying to guard Giannis. And to the, you know, the, the general more casual NBA fan, they're like, that dude won the slam dunk contest and is maybe the best athlete in the league. And, like, he just straight up didn't think they were going to need him last night. And was fantastic. Yeah, he he flipped that game in the fourth quarter right after the Bucks took the lead. He had two blocks, I think, in the next three possessions, and he went on a seven zero run and never trailed the rest of the way. Yeah, and, and when you when you think about it, this depth, like this, is kind of what the Heat have been trying to do since LeBron left. Like, the, especially like from 2016 on, when they had you know Dion and Goron and Justice and Josh Richardson and Hassan and Ben, like they tried to win with numbers. Um, they just weren't good enough. But this team, the one they put together, is just so well constructed. Everything just seems to fit. And what impresses me, what's impressed, impressed me the most in these playoffs is they have so many different ways they can win the game. Like, yeah, three point shooting is huge. It was very important in game two. It was important in the Pacer series. But in game one, the threes weren't falling. And they won with free throws and getting into the paint and. Jimmy Butler executing in half court sets late in the game, and with good defense, especially especially down the stretch, um, they just have so many different ways they can beat you, um, and that's I mean that's invaluable in the postseason. Yeah, I don't want to stray too far away from Jimmy, uh, which is where we started this talk because obviously we didn't record after the forty point game, which was I don't know pretty much as good a I mean you guys know the Heat history better than I do, but that's pretty much as good a playoff performance I can remember in Heat history. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the obvious one's probably LeBron against the Celtics. Um, but, you know, that's certainly right up there. Um, but then in game two, you know, he scored, I think he had five points in the second half. I don't. He did not make a field goal in the fourth quarter. But his defense has been so good in the playoffs. The way he, I think he had three steals, you know, and it's not just the, you know, the, the pick sixes and all that kind of stuff gets the attention. But it's also the way he is playing as a help defender on Giannis, coming and digging. 
Um, and, you know, the way he kind of, you know, he's just getting his hands on the ball a lot. And, you know, that, that really stood out to me in the first quarter last night where the Heat played one of their best quarters of the playoffs, one of, probably one of their best quarters of the year. And I think they had like five deflections in that, five, six deflections in that quarter. Um, and it turned them to, I want to say, like eight transition points. Um, the, the defense and the way that Jimmy has taken that up in his game is probably impresses me the most. Because, you know, we knew he was a good defender, um, but just the, the way he is playing on that end, the hustle plays that, that kind of he has a reputation for doing, um, I, I think are, are a bigger reason why they won last night is anything. And, and you've got to watch the games to, to appreciate it. Like anybody look at a box score and see Butler 40, wow, what a yeah. great game. I mean, even the three steals is like impressive, but it's, well, all, it's he's getting the hand on the ball three or four more times yeah. plus that. 13, 13 points, three, three rebounds, six assists, three steals. Yeah. Pretty, un, pretty unimpressive line, right? He controlled the game. I mean, he did it with eight shots. That's the other thing, too. We knew that the unselfishness is astounding with this team, and, and you don't see it that often. It's, it's a I, – I'm – he has brought – he has brought a toughness that the guys like PJ Brown, Keith Askins, Udonis, Dwayne, LeBron brought. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and he's already in that conversation. And you know that he internally revere toughness above all. Um, you know, he has answered every question. He was coming to South Beach. I, I went back today and looked at all the stuff people wrote. All yeah. the stuff he said, or at least a lot of it. Everybody had it wrong on Jimmy Butler coming here. Everybody had it wrong. And I think if there's anything that Jimmy relishes, it's telling people they're wrong and proving people wrong. And I think he got, not just because of the finish, I think he got more of a kick out of scoring 13 points last night in a win than scoring 40 points in game one of the win. He's just wired different. He's just different. Yeah, and and you could kind of tell the people have been watching the Heat all season by like their Jimmy Butler takes last night. Like that's that's what Jimmy Butler's been all season. Um, he's just been a guy that has a really good feel for the game and a feel for what his team needs him to do. Um, and last night, his team didn't need him to score. Like the team was making threes, uh, they were shooting well. They need him to defend. They needed him to control the game, like you said, Tim. Um, you know, with his pace and with his. You know, having the ball in his hands and finding his teammates. They didn't need him to score 30, 40 points last night. And he's done that all year. No matter what anybody says, mm-hmm. oh, be more aggressive, do this, do that. He plays his game. And, you know, like he says, I mean, he says it after every game, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win on both ends of the court. And that's kind of what Jimmy is as a player. Like, he's not a, a, a pure scorer. Uh, he does a lot of things well. And in certain games, with the different things uh, that the team needs him to do, and that, you know we've seen that throughout the playoffs, throughout the regular season, it's it's really not a surprise at this point. Yeah, when I say he didn't make a field goal in the fourth quarter, I mean he was not taking very many. Like they, it, he just did not kind of feel the need uh, to do it last night, and you know it lets him kind of exert that focus on defense and, and distributing. Um, I think his six assists did lead the team still, so you know he was. He was productive, you know, other than the points, every category other than that 13 points was a pretty good game by him. Um, and he set the tone, like I said, on defense. He last night 12 steals, four blocks. Like that, you're going to win a lot of games if you can do that, especially when you're a team that 
was not exactly a defensive juggernaut in the regular season. I was going to say, remember when we were worried about this team's defense? I know. I don't remember if it made it into the last episode because we had to cut some stuff. Um, but I remember last episode talking about, like, they need Bam. And do they have other guys that can guard Giannis? Um, Jay Crowder has been awesome on Giannis. We saw, you know, Derek Jones. You don't want him probably guarding him for more than five minutes a game, but you're not going to die for those five minutes when you put him out there. Um, there are, I mean, that was going to be my big question next here is just, are the Heat better than the Bucks? Um, it, I don't know, Tim. What he, I mean, it, it seems that way. I, they I, I look a lot better than them. Just they look a lot better. Yeah. I, it, the answer, bad matchup, too. The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. They are. They just are. They're tougher. I mean, I, Giannis is obviously all world. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to And I feel like people were still like, oh, he didn't. He wasn't that good last night. He still had 29 points. He wasn't that good yeah, in game one. He almost had a triple-double. Yeah, his bad nights are like LeBron's bad nights, where he's got like 29, 18, and 7. Like, come on. I mean, we're nitpicking with him. Chris Middleton, I think, is a really, really, really good wing. But is Chris Middleton the second-best player on a world championship team? I, I don't think so. I don't. Um... How many guys in the Heat are better than Chris Middleton? Well, you know, one. I mean, it's they have the they have the top line talent, but they just who who scares you after those two guys? And really, does the second guy even scare you that much? I, you know, Brooke Lopez. I give him unbelievable credit. He's reinvented his game. We all know this. Um, George Hill is as tough a guy mentally as there is. Um, Eric Bledsoe's a dog, and I don't think he's I, – I, I mean, he missed game one, so it's not really a stretch mm-hmm. to say that hamstrings don't totally recover in two days. So I I don't think he's 100%, but he played really well in game two. They, they've got some guys, but, like, you know, when you get to the Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, Kyle Korver sort of thing, it, it, you know, you take the heat depth over the Bucks depth all day. Yeah. and And something else that – we just either either we get fatigue about talking about it, or maybe we're just used to it by now. Eric Sprolster's been the best coach in the playoffs. I mean, he just is, and and Bud's a great coach. But I, I finally, I think Spo's going to start getting his due now, and it's not going to be well. He won two championships with LeBron James, or well, he's running all Pat Riley stuff. You know, whatever. A lot of nobody else has won two titles with LeBron. Number one, two, he's not running any of Pat stuff. Spo. Was the I mean, positionless basketball pretty much yeah. was perfected by Eric Spolstra. It, it's time to give him his due. He's been the best coach in these playoffs. So, yeah, top to bottom, the Heat are better. Yeah, Pat Connaughton was a minus 19 last night. And it feels like, you know, that kind of – you mentioned him. Him and DiVincenzo are kind of the two guys to me that feels like one of them needs to uh, obviously play better if, if the Bucks are going to win this series. Yeah, and how about Giannis? I mean – He's a minus 21 yeah. in the series. Like, they've been a worst team with him on the court. And and honestly, like, I know Giannis is a superstar. He's one of the best players in the league. And I don't want to be this hot, t- you know, I don't want to give a hot take. But, I, I I mean, in the playoffs, like. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to ring the hot take buzzer. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, in the playoffs, I, I, I'm not surprised that teams are finding a way to scheme him out. Last year was Toronto. This year, this year it's Miami so far. I mean. He 
yesterday was all of seven outside of the restricted area. Like he, he's not a good outside shooter, obviously. Yeah. He's not a free throw shooter. Um, and if you could keep him out of the paint or limit his paint touches, like you could scheme him out of a game. He's not LeBron where he can beat you in different ways and score different ways. Not Kawhi Leonard. He's just not the type of player yet. He, has, he still has holes in his offensive game. And the Heat are exploiting that. They, they have a great plan and they're executing against him. They're giving the Bucks three-point shots, which, hey, look, if the Bucks want to take a bunch of three-pointers, I think if you're Miami, you live with that. They were the 19th best three-point shooting team in the league. It's not like they were you know, incredibly efficient from deep. Um, and the Heat's defense is, is really executing it to perfection. Um, again, Giannis is a minus 21. They've been a lot better with him when he's – they've been a lot better when he's on the bench, which is crazy. The last time he finished with a consecutive negative plus minus, uh, plus minus games was – in the playoffs last season when they lost to Toronto. Wow. Uh, so that tells you where things are trending at the, at the moment. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, I, I grew up a Wizards fan, so I watched a lot of John Wall playoff games over the years. And it was always kind of the concern with him is when you get in the half court and you don't have that reliable jumper, you, you can scheme, it can scheme you out. And that is kind of what's happening to Giannis a little bit. I mean, Giannis is obviously way better than, than John Wall was even at Wall's peak. Um, and he's still, you know, as a role, he can be kind of effective when you like use him as the center, like as the role guy or, or as the guy who, you know, gets dump offs near the rim and can finish through basically like any two or double or triple team once he's in uh, the restricted area. Um, but that's not like what Giannis is at his best, obviously. You want him being that mismatch nightmare and, and he's not a mismatch in the same way against the Heat. He's not a mismatch in the same way that he is against pretty much any other team. Um, and like I said, the, I think the fact that it can be more than just Bam guarding him, as we have learned, obviously, in this postseason, is huge for them because, uh, you know, you can't just keep switching until Giannis gets the favorable matchup. He typically can have, you know, two or three guys out there that you feel really comfortable guarding Giannis, which um, I don't think there might not be another team in the league, other than maybe the Lakers, uh, who, who can say that. It's so important in a series to make the other guys react to you. I mean, in a series that's a toss-up, in a series where you could argue either way that this team can win, this team can win. I mean, some series are just too one-sided. I mean, it's, you know, the Blazers, especially without Dame, were not going to beat the Lakers. So it wouldn't have mattered in that series. But in this series, you know, the Bucks have to react to the Heat now. The Bucks have to yeah. get away from what they want to do. Mike Budenholzer doesn't play anybody big minutes. Chris Middleton played one 40-minute game this year, and it was in overtime. Nobody else has played a 40-minute game all season for them. They don't play big minutes. He's going to have to. Yeah, They're going to have to disrupt their rotation. They're going to have to make Giannis. Giannis is going to have to guard whoever's hot. Giannis is going to have to spend more time with Jimmy. Giannis is going to have to deal with Bam. If Bam's the guy who gets it going. They're going to have to find ways to get Goran Dragic out of his comfort zone. They just are because they prepared the Heat have prepared so well for the drops. Milwaukee plays drop coverage better than anybody in the league, and Miami. It's it's like they've spent a month figuring out where exactly the seams are in it, and that's where Goran Dragic always seems to find his way to. Milwaukee is going to have to disrupt what it does and find a way to win four out of the next five games while changing itself on mm-hmm. the fly. It's the, the, it's it's only 2-0, and the series can change on a dime. 
but the task in front of Milwaukee right now is really, really big, guys. Yeah, and other yeah. than George Hill off the bench, the uh, the Bucks bench players combined for three for thirteen last night. Like that, they've got to tighten up that rotation. They can't be having, you know, Marvin Williams playing twenty one basically useless minutes. Like that's you're not gonna you can't have Pat Connaughton playing twelve minutes and put, putting up a minus nineteen. Like the Heat are gonna kill you if that's what you're gonna do. Yeah, and I and I can't stress enough how important. Like ten turnovers in game two. Yeah, that's just so huge because it's like it's like you mentioned, David and Tim. Like this, the Bucks like to run. Giannis when he gets in transition, he's unstoppable. I mean, he's just there's no way to stop him when he when he has you know uh, when he's running going downhill. Um, yeah, he had one euro step on Bam last night that was, that was like, ridiculous. <laughs> the the main thing is just is he's keeping from the open floor, and the Heat have been able to do that because they played really efficiently on offense. They made a lot of shots, so they can set their defense. Um, and even when the Bucks get in transition, you see the Heat. I mean, you see three or four Heat players like just sprint back to meet Giannis at the three point line just to build the wall in front of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been that's been gigantic because. Those easy points that Giannis and the Bucks rely on, that hasn't happened. Um, they're the fastest-paced team in the league, and they've played at the heat speed uh, all series so far. Again, things can change fast, but when you look at every like all the boxes that needed, he, he needed to check to beat the Bucks, they've pretty much done all of it. And it looks like it's sustainable, honestly, right now. It looks, unless they have a really uncharacteristic game on both ends of the court, it looks like this this formula is sustainable unless you know the Milwaukee has an adjustment they could make, but like you said, Tim, this is how Milwaukee's played all year. Toughness, and, toughness, and smarts are always yeah. sustainable. That's the yeah. thing. That's that's what it is. X's and O's or whatever. Toughness and smarts are sustainable. Yeah, the Heat are just. I mean, it just seems like they're playing harder than the Bucks. I know that's kind of cliche, but it just seems that way. Like the loose balls, the fifty-fifty balls late in the game, listed the, the multiple efforts on defense of getting out to shooters when they're trying to pack the paint. They're just playing. It just seems like they're playing at a different speed than Milwaukee. To your point, Tim, um, and Eric Spolstra, he deserves so much credit for what he's done with this team. I mean, their their scheme on both ends just like fits the roster so well. Um, this is I, I don't know. I mean, just based on the roster and based on expectations, this has to be his best coaching job. I don't even think it's even close. I know he's he's had good seasons, obviously before he's won two titles, but. Just the way this team plays and executes, I, I mean, it, it's it's a representation of him. Um, and, and this has to be – I think this will be, like you said, Tim, the, the season where he finally gets the credit he deserves. You know what the sign with Spo is, by the way? My, my wife calls them raccoon eyes when I get them, like when you're working crazy hours and you're not getting enough sleep and you get those dark circles underneath your eyes. Spo looks like he's had black eyes the last two games. That's – the indicator of how much work they're putting in because you can look at his eyes and tell that man is not well rested right now. That man is working. And sure, it's hard in the bubble. His family's not here. His kids aren't here. Nikki's not here. He's got really no other outlet other than work, but he'd be this way in the playoffs anyway. You, you can just tell how much they're grinding. And, you know, they're, they're getting the, the, so far through six games, they're getting, they're getting the payoff. By the way, have the Heat taken a day off from practice yet? I mean, it's like unbelievable. They they have practiced all the way through, other than the you know one day in between series, and obviously that Thursday when 
uh, after the boycott of games that didn't, nobody really practiced. Um, but the entire Indiana series, they practiced every often. Yep. Um, and Milwaukee, it's been like that as well. Like it's just, the, I know they're in the bubble, but it's interesting that they've won. They're six and zero, and they haven't had one off day in between games yet. It's business trip. Just gotta keep working yeah, without without shaving or haircuts, though. In that case, in Jimmy's case, which is yeah. kind of fascinating. It doesn't look like a business trip when you look at the mustache, but everything else, it's 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 a business trip. I got one stat I wanted to throw at you guys just to put it in perspective, because you know I'm a geek and I love this stupid number stuff. Five seeds have taken two O seed two two O series leads over four seeds like all the time, like that happens. Yeah. There's only been one other time in NBA history outside of a first round series where a five seed has ever taken a two O series lead. And it was in 94 when Utah did it over eight seeded Denver. <laughs> That's it. Who did Denver upset that year? First round. Yes. It's never happened before in a playoff round. And I know, okay. Yes. We can argue the heat aren't really a five seed, whatever. Well, they are. And it just speaks to how rare this is. This doesn't happen, guys. It just, I know that they didn't do the, they weren't in Milwaukee. Yes, that is a factor. No question. These were neutral site games, not true road games. I get that. Still, it just doesn't happen. So not only are we seeing a pretty good run to start this playoff Mm -hmm. for the Miami Heat, but we're seeing something that, Quite frankly, you don't see very often. You might not see again. When's the last time a five seed went to the finals? Never. Wow. Yeah. Quite the story we're covering, guys. These are interesting times, <laughs> but it is it is quite the story. It it just is, and that's what makes it it makes it so important to do what we do right now. Not going to lecture. Not going to lecture you guys, but. <laughs> The world is the world, and we all know what's going on in the world, and it's scary, and it's maddening, and it's frustrating. And you know what? For those five hours last night when I was watching um, 27 jump shooters get fouled in the Heat, in, in, in the heat Bucks game, and then just – I didn't see much of it because I was writing the Heat game, but then watching the last, like, quarter and a half of the Rockets game and just yeah. all the theater there, like, I, I kind of forgot I was – in quarantine during a pandemic with the world coming apart at the seams for those five hours. It's so important what we're doing. right? Yeah. Now. It's a, well, what else would I've been doing for those five hours uh, yesterday? I would have been sitting on my couch in any world. I would have been sitting on my couch or, you know, if I was traveling for work for some reason in a, in a hotel room watching five hours of basketball, like it's, it's normal. It's just yeah, a weird one, time. I got year. one last thing because I haven't been on in a minute, but um, I got to congratulate my boy, Mr. Wilson here. Oh, thank you. That is uh You've made good use of your pandemic. Yeah. Excellent use of your pandemic. Have you, have you, this has all been revealed. Yes. I, I presume it has been revealed. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but uh, it's like public, public information. Mr. Wilson is taking a bride. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting stuff. Um, I'm you, excited. You guys don't sound excited at all by this. The club. It was a ma- It was, it was a matter of time. Like it was, it was about time. We've been dating for like 10 years, so. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since college, since Syracuse. No, I take that much <laughs> Come on, man. You should have done this years ago. All right, Tim. Uh, you said you got to run, though, right? 
I've got I've got to run, but uh, you know my contract says I do this again for no money next week. Yeah, thanks well, as yeah, always for joining us. Team an emergency pod to be necessary. Yeah, go get some uh, big face coffee. <laughs> I got twenty dollars burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> Problem is the NBA doesn't let me anywhere near their hotel. So right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. For Great. Me. Thanks for them coming See on, Tim. All right, let's wrap up with those like last two topics I had on there, Duncan getting going, and okay. is there anything else? Um, we I don't think we've mentioned Bam's name once, so we should probably talk about him a little bit. Um, yeah, probably. All right, all right um, let's finish up by looking kind of ahead to these next couple games. I know we've obviously been doing that, but um, to me the biggest, and we, we kind of alluded to it towards the top of this episode, is the fact that Heat are up 2-0 and, and Duncan hasn't had the big game yet. Um, is, do you feel like it's just a matter of time to get him going? It does seem like the Bucks are defending him pretty well. I think Middleton's done a really good job on him. Um, I don't know, where, where are you kind of at on, on Duncan? The, the hype has, has died down since the regular season a little bit. Yeah, I mean, history shows it's only a matter of time before he has like a six three-point game, you know, or something like yeah. that. I mean, he doesn't really go long stretches without one of those types of games. Um, and he really hasn't had one. He, he's only had one this entire playoff run like game two against yeah. the Pacers seven threes other than that it's been two threes one three three threes um you know he was okay in game two he had this three for eight from three which is for most players pretty yeah. good um for his standards it's just like uh, basically a below average game for him um but you know I, I think just having him out there and shooting those threes it, it it makes a huge difference obviously like you you see that they're shadowing Duncan whenever he's in yeah. the game He's at the top of their scouting report. It's a big reason why, um, you know, Milwaukee's not selling out for three-pointers. I mean, you saw it last night. He made up a ton. Um, but they are, you know, for a team that gives up a lot of threes, they have paid very close attention to Duncan. Um, and it's a big reason why in game one that he was getting into the paint so easily. Uh, Jimmy and Goran were getting in there, and they scored over, I think, the Heat finished with over 40 uh, pain points. So, you know, just having Duncan on the court, Having him shoot through, I think the first game maybe was a little bit, you know, not what you want to see with four three-point attempts. We want to see him shoot a little more in game two. He took eight, so that's a good sign. Um, but, yeah, as long as he's out there taking threes, he's doing his job. He might not get a five three-point game, yeah. you know, five eight threes in a game this series because of the way the Bucks are playing him and because he might not need to. Um, but he's having an impact. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um the Bucks last night, I think. I don't know exactly how many paint points they scored. Paint points the Heat scored in the first half, but I think the Bucks only allowed eight in the second half. Um, it does feel like you know the Bucks defense has has impressed me in this playoffs um, or in this series. I know like obviously the Heat are up two zero, and you know it's it's been uh, kind of a slog for them sometimes on offense, but their defense can lock in in a way that. Um, you know, a championship-level defense can. Um, anytime they kind of go on one of their runs, uh, it, it feels like it's typically the result of, like, the Heat missing a bunch of shots in a row. And, um, you know, the Bucks, you know, they, they, I think, decided they were fine with Jay Crowder shooting threes uh, last night, and he missed a bunch in the second half. Um, you know, and when Duncan is not out there, there's not as much space to get into the paint, and, you know, Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez formed such a good uh, rim protecting duo. Um, I guess it's almost like, I feel like the Bucks should, I know they want to play fast, but like if they turn this into a, a real defensive struggle, like, I still like their advantage, but that's why Duncan is 
that that breakout is is what can potentially you know I think we would have said maybe flip the series but now could potentially clinch the series um because for sure the heat are still kind of you know Tyler Hero's kind of had his I think he has been pretty much as good as you could hope for a couple of games and and he and Duncan are in a lot of ways the x factors for this team and, and we're still waiting for that uh Duncan game I think um that could potentially basically wrap this thing up um but I do think like the Bucks, you you mentioned it. They're the one. He's the one three point shooter that they're really like selling out to defend. And I think that's ultimately a smart strategy. The Heat just have to make them pay, um, and they can't have too many halves like the second half they had yesterday, where um, you know they're basically unable to finish anything in the paint. Yeah, yeah to, to your point about the Bucks defense, the Heat had five made two point shots in the second half. Yeah. Like, they didn't get much. They they basically their offense ran on threes. I think they had eight. They had eight threes in the second half, and they took twenty one free throws in the second half. Yeah. Um. So the, the Bucks totally closed off the paint uh, to Miami down the stretch, which they can do. I mean, they've done that all season. I was kind of surprised they didn't do that in game one. It seemed like they used a different strategy, or they just didn't execute. I don't know what, but um, game one the Heat were able to get into the paint. But last night you finally saw that you know that elite um, interior. Bucks defense where the Heat really had to make their threes and getting to the line is important. I mean, Milwaukee in the regular season didn't foul much. I think mm-hmm. one of the teams that fouled actually like that gave up the least amount of free throws, a fewest amount of free throws to their opponent. Uh, but the Heat have had success against them and getting to the line in these first two games. And that's been really, really important for them because again, Milwaukee's defense is really good. So when anytime you can get some free, easy points at the line, you take that. Um, so that's going to be important you know, also moving forward is continuing to get to the line. And also you're going to have to continue to make their threes because I think Milwaukee's going to, now they had success last night, you know, in game two, I think Milwaukee will really make it a point to, to close off the paint and force the heat to take threes and make them. And Miami can do that, which is why we, you know, entering the series, we both thought this is a good matchup, you know, for the heat. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we wrap up, I don't think we've mentioned Bam Adebayo's name once. Um, and he was an all-star this year. Um, and he he had a huge jumper down the stretch um, of game two. I think he was a, a zero in the plus-minus category. But, I mean, he has just been quietly – I mean, this is why he's an all-star, right? Is because he can be pretty quiet and just be still, like, one of the most effective, most effective guys on the court for this team. Yeah, one of the most impressive things uh... – about him in these first two games has been his rebounding to me. Mm-hmm. I, at first, he got like 17 rebounds, which for him is incredible. You know, he's not a guy who's going to get 15 rebounds a game. Yeah. Uh, but he, he had a really good rebounding in game one. I think he had how many? He had nine uh, in game two. Uh, but I mean, how many times was he fouled trying to go for a rebound and like two or three Bucks players were trying to hold him back? Like he's been ferocious um, on the boards. Which I think, you know, obviously is a big point of emphasis. Milwaukee is the best rebounding team in the NBA, statistically. Um, and Bama has been giving them a lot of trouble. Uh, and he's created, a, you know, three, three offensive rebounds in game two. Extra possessions are very important, obviously, for any team. Um, but yeah, he hasn't had those big, you know, 20 point, 15 rebounds, eight assist games yet. But he's made a huge difference, not only with the rebounds, but also defensively, as we've spoken about. Um, he hasn't been the primary defender on ben, on Giannis, although he's 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 spent a few possessions yeah. on him each game. But 
if you notice, whenever Giannis is leaving the court, so is Bam. Yeah. Like, you know, they they are they air exposure is using Bam as Giannis's shadow because although he's not the, he's not the primary defender, he's the he's the primary help defender. Right. Uh, when you have Jay Crowder guarding him, and then you have Bam as his as his reinforcement. That, that makes it tough on Giannis. Yeah, there's just a lot of bodies banging, and that's kind of the Heat have the bodies to bang. Um, Bam, in this postseason, is on off numbers. Uh, he is a plus 27 per 100 possessions. <laughs> like, yeah. he has been... Obviously, that's he was dominant in terms of, like, plus-minus numbers in the Pacers series, but he has been excellent. I think he was a plus 10 in Game 1. Um, and, and like I said, he was a, a zero last night in a game that, you know, was a two-point game, and, and he fouled out, obviously, so he would have been on the court for those last couple of minutes. Um, he has been, you know, just quietly excellent. Um, and I feel like, you know, I, I think we thought maybe he was going to be like a breakout star for the Heat in the playoffs because, you know, again, he's a guy that casual fans probably aren't, like, super familiar with yet. Um, I'm worried he's not going to get the due he deserves because – I think Jimmy Goran and even Tyler Hero have kind of uh, drawn a lot of the attention uh, with their scoring, and they're like, then they're the guys with the balls in their hands late in the game usually. Yeah, but that's what this team is like. It's just, I know. To me, to me, the most impressive again, and I said it earlier in the pod in the episode, but uh, to me, the most impressive thing about this Heat team is just again how many different ways they can beat you. Like game, like you said, game one, forty points from Jimmy, huge a superstar game. You know, game two, Jimmy and Jimmy and Bam combined for they took sixteen shots combined and combined for uh, twenty eight mm-hmm. points, and they still beat the top the team with the NBA's best record. Um, and really, were I know it was only a two point win, but they were in control the entire night, yeah. and it wasn't even that it shouldn't have even been that close. Um, they just have so many guys, so many things, so many guys who do so many things uh, well. And when they're playing defense like this, it's like we've talked about all season. Their offense is really good, and their offense has been good in this series. Um, but when their defense is playing at that level, they're a really tough team to beat. Yeah. Not just for one, you know, obviously for one game, but four times in seven games. Like, good luck with that. You're, you're going to really need to play elite basketball to beat the Heat when they're playing defense at that at that level. Yeah, they're six and zero, and I think they've trailed in the fourth quarters of these games for like a minute and 15 seconds or something total. They trailed, like, that game, which obviously went down the wire, they trailed for, I think, 29 seconds. I think they only trailed in one game of that Pacers series. In game one, they were down in the fourth quarter for, like, less than 30 seconds. Um, to, I mean, they've really controlled these games um, in a, a pretty astonishing way. Um, that I, I don't think even the most optimistic Heat fans could have seen this coming. We were We were texting yesterday... Um, or maybe even G-chatting during the game, and you were basically like, this roster just fits perfectly together. And I was saying, I don't think it's luck that it fits perfectly together. And, you know, there's maybe some luck that, like, Duncan is so good so quickly, and Kendrick Nunn comes out of nowhere, and Tyler Hero is, is so good so quickly. But the pieces, like you said, all fit really well together. Like, they, the, those guys are doing what the Heat want them to do or wanted them to do what they scouted them thinking they could do just at a really high level. And, um, I mean, you look at the Heat's, you know, the starting five they can run out, or, you know, five-man lineups they can run out that are just, like, legitimately star-studded, where you've got, you know, 
obviously Goran and Kendrick Nunn as guards. Those are two like legitimately like, big name guys at this point. You know, Tyler Hero at the two, Duncan at the two, Jimmy at the three. You know, you, you've got a slam dunk champion, like I said, in, in Derek Jones. You've got an all star center in Bam. There's not a lot of teams that, like have that sort of cohesion where. Um, the best players all like can fit together, and you can have multiple five-man lineups that, that you feel like there's not a weak link on there. You know, maybe they're they're weak on one side of the court, but there's not a guy who is, you know, just out there because you need a center because you need a big guy in a way that I I think you know even the Bucks as good as Brook Lopez is he's like you know he's a he's a role player, and the Heat you know they they have role players but they have role players who can hit levels that uh, I I think most teams role players can't. Yeah, and how big was I mean that Jake Crowder Andre Iguodala acquisition that yeah, trade? It's huge. It just it completed this team. I can't imagine you know this team would not be having this success. It's crazy to say because you know they're not the two best players in the roster, but it just makes this it, it just completed this team. Like that's what this roster needed. Two two other wing defenders mm-hmm. that you could throw in there late in the game um, on any team's best player, and you could they're reliable. They're smart. And they can also hit threes, um, yeah. so it helps space the floor, especially Jay. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it's just a really well-constructed team that really fits well. Um, even Myers, I know he's not playing right now, but, he I mean, he's even a good fit. I mean, you put him next to Bam, again, they yeah. were really successful. Like, he spaces the floor while Bam can, can dominate inside. Um, it, the pieces just fit, and you can see the vision that he had for this roster. And I mean, it, I, I'm sure they ha- they were optimistic, but this is probably even better than than they could have expected. Just the yeah. way you know the, the step that Bam took. I, I know right now, I mean, that we're past that. Like it's been like this for months now. But I don't think any of us. I mean, we all expect him to have a good season, but to be this level of player this season so fast, I don't think any of us expected that. I mean, Goran to be playing at this level in the playoffs, Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson to all of a sudden become the best shooter in the NBA, um, Tyler Hero to be playing. 32 minutes in a second round playoff game, Kendrick Nunn to start most of the season. Like that's, uh, I mean, you, nobody could have predicted that, uh, but it's happening. All right. Uh, let's wrap things up there, but I guess before we go, we didn't make predictions before this series. I guess what, what would your prediction have been and where are you at now? So my prediction in my matchup preview, I really didn't give one. I said it was just going to be a seven game series. Mm-hmm. And that is because, I think once you go to say it's a seven-game series, it can be yeah. any team that wins, especially with no home court advantage. Um, but after the first two games, I'm going to say Heat and seven. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. I'm, I still think the Bucks are going to make this a long series. I, I really do. I think that they found something defensively that works last night against Miami. Um, and, yeah, if the Heat keep hitting their threes and keep getting to the line at that rate that they you know were last night, then they'll be fine. But I think they'll be – a couple games where maybe they, they can't score enough to beat Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, I would have gone Bucks in seven, and I, I think Heat in seven now. I do wonder, you know, the lack of home court obviously, you know, can let a team like the Heat jump up 2-0, and, you know, that would have been a much tougher if you were in Milwaukee for those two games. I think it's also going to, like, up 3-0 doesn't feel like a sure thing as it would in normal years because you don't have those those couple home games where you could try to finish it off. Um so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this the Heat win again on Friday and this still winds up going seven. Um, but I think, you know, not having Bledsoe in game one, that, that was a big deal. Like, I know the Heat won that game by double digits, but that was close in the fourth quarter. And, you know, any, he's one of their three best players. Yeah, anytime you can yeah. get a chance against 
a, when it, when a team is shorthanded like that, uh, you got to take advantage. And we, we talked about it kind of when we were previewing the series that we kind of felt like he was the one guard who could make um, the Heat's guards who, who tend to struggle on defense pay. And, yeah, I think he did it a little bit in game two, especially in the first half. He, I think he had 14 points in the first half. Um, but not just him missing one game and him not being 100%, I think, is, is a quietly a big part of um, why the Heat are in control of the series early on. Yeah, for sure. He's, I mean, he's their primary ball handler. Yeah. You saw how, the difference that his driving ability made uh, in game two. And, and, you know, you could tell, again, he's not, like you said, he's not 100%. I think in game one, I mean, in the last time in game two, uh, I think he scored 14 points in the first half and then just like two points in the second half. Yeah. Um, you could just tell you ran out of gas. Um, but yeah, that that's, that's huge. I mean, that's like the heat not having, I guess, you know, I know Goran's playing better than Eric Bledsoe right now, but Goran who's the third best player in their, you know, in their point guard, not having him at a hundred percent. I mean, that would be, that would be bad for the heat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Eric Bledsoe gets better as the series goes on. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, that does not help Milwaukee's cause, that's for sure. Yep. All right. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter, at Anthony underscore Chang. He's got uh, heat coverage every day these days. Uh, it's the biggest story in uh, Miami sports right now and a really busy time for Miami sports. Um, so just go to MiamiHerald.com. Uh, read everything. We got Marlins are in a playoff spot. We got Dolphins and Hurricanes starting up. Um, Inter-Miami is going to get Gonzalo Higuain, I guess. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Be sure to listen to all of our Herald Sports podcasts. We've got one every day of the week right now. Greg Cody show on Monday. Uh, our, our new Marlins podcast on Tuesdays. Dolphins on Wednesdays. Heat on Thursdays. And Miami Hurricanes on Fridays. Uh, so thanks, as always, for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week.